Uh, Let's begin reading in chapter number 21 and verse number 1. Naboth has a vineyard that Ahab wants. And so this, this story, what takes place in this story, Ahab takes the vineyard from Naboth. Naboth is a godly man. Naboth is a man who believed in the Lord and followed God's plan. But here he goes... And let's go ahead and we'll pick up in verse number one. There are some verses on the paper, but if you really want to follow along, you'll want to grab that Bible just because um, we're going to read a lot of Scripture outside of those. And there's so much Scripture, I didn't put it all on that paper. Verse number one, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab the king of Samaria. And Ahab said unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I have, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it, it is near unto my house, and I will give thee for uh, it a better vineyard than, than it. Or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Now, we're going to cover verse number one, or cha- uh, point number one is the proposition of Ahab. Ahab comes to Naboth, he says, Hey, that vineyard that you've got, I like it, and it's attached to my. It's already attached to my my property. Why don't you just give me that vineyard? And better yet, if you give me that vineyard, <clears throat> I will give you a better vineyard. And not only well, if you don't want a better vineyard, then I'll give you the money that that vineyard is worth. Now, just think about this as you look at this offer that he offers him. Is that not a reasonable? Offer Is that not something that would even be to consider? That the king Ahab wants my land? And not only does he want my land, but he's not going to steal it from me. He wants to pay me for it. He even offered to give me a better vineyard. But Ahab wanted this vineyard because of how it connected to his property. Now I want you to catch what Naboth says. Naboth says in verse number four, or verse number three, and Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. So we see the reason, it was a reasonable offer. But then let's look at the reject, the rejected offer. But you say, Why does he say the Lord forbid it me? Look at verse three. He said, The Lord forbid it me. Why would it be forbidden of the Lord for him to sell his property? Because the Bible, watch this, this is, this is unreal. Because the Bible says in Numbers chapter 36, which is the law in which they lived by, and which they were supposed to live by, the Bible says in verse chapter 36 and verse 7, So shall not the inheritance of the children remove from tribe to tribe, for every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Do you know why God forbid him to sell that property? Was because it wasn't his property to sell. You say, what do you mean it wasn't his property to sell? It was his property that passed around down from his dad and his dad and passed it down to his dad and all the way down through time and they were not allowed to sell the property that they had inherited. And that inheritance belonged to his son. It did not belong to Naboth. It belonged to his grandson and those that would follow. 
So why did God forbid it? God forbid it because it says in the law that you're not supposed to sell your land that is that you've been inherited. God forbid it. But think about this for just a moment. The king comes to you. The king of Samaria comes to you and says, hey, I'd like to buy that land. What do you think about that? Think about the principle, the principles in which Nahath, Naboth lived by. To look at the king square in the eye and say, no. Now Ahab, as we've been studying the scripture, Ahab's wicked. And Ahab can order him to be killed at, at that moment. I killed Naboth and give me this land. And, and Naboth, because he wanted to follow God's plan and God's law so much that it didn't matter whether the king agreed with him or not or whether the king was on board with him or not, he was going to follow God. And may that be a principal matter to us is that we should have principles in our life and our principles shouldn't matter from age, age to age. It should always be the same. Always be the same. Yeah, wrong. I heard a preacher say this, and I've said it. If it ever was right, it's still right. And if it ever was wrong, guess what? It's still wrong. If it was wrong a hundred years ago by the Bible, guess what? The Bible hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. The Bible says, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. And the principle is, God hasn't changed, and neither should right and wrong. Don't blur the lines between right and wrong. Right will always be right, and wrong will always be wrong. When we live in a society today where right is, where right is wrong, and wrong is right, they want to begin to tell you that, that, that uh, we ought to accept things that the Bible would never want us to accept and be okay with things the Bible would never be okay with. But God's law never changes. And God will never change. And here's why. It's because He will always be holy. And He will always be righteous. He will always be just. Whether the laws of the land say to be or not, he will always be the same. He's always the same. Always the same. The proposition of Ahab was, hey, give me that land. But I think of the, the principles in which Naboth lived by. He says, no, I ain't doing it. Because here, here we live in society where guess what? Preachers can be bought. Did you know that? Preachers won't say certain things because someone has paid them not to say it. They're worried about somebody paying their paycheck rather than saying what God's told them to say. Or worried about money, worried about everybody liking. Look, I want everybody to like me, but there's the bottom line. I'm going to preach against something you ain't going to like. At some point, sometime, it's going to ruffle your feathers. It's going to make you mad. It might even tick you off. But look, I'm just the messenger. Amen. And if I'm preaching God's word, don't get mad at me. That's right. Get mad at God. Yeah. Talk to him. Yeah. Exactly. Talk to him about it. And I've said this before, and I mean it. When I get a bill in the mail that I don't agree with, I don't, I don't run outside and beat my mailman up over it. 
I called the person who sent me the bill. Like, I'm just the mailman. I'm just the delivery boy. So if you want to get mad at God, you get mad at God. You don't get mad at me. Because all I'm doing is trying to tell you what this, what this Bible says. He had a principle that he was not going to change whether the king wanted the land or not. Can you imagine the pressure that was on him to give him that land? The king looking at you and saying, give me that land, bud. Well, just imagine for yourself the president of the United States coming to you and saying, hey, I need you to sell me that house you live in right now. I'll even give you a better house. Hey, not only that, I'll probably give you more money than what that, that house is even worth. Think about that. But the law was, the law was, if it was in your inheritance, you're not allowed to sell it. Because it goes to the next person. Would you sell? <coughs> he believed in God. He was a godly man for standing up and doing that. God forbid that I would even sell that. God forbid that I would even sell that. <clears throat> Think about that temptation dangled out in front of him. But he defeated temptation. All right? Before I move on to the next little thought, anybody have any, anything? Any questions? Any comments? No? Well, don't be afraid to talk. Okay. Nobody? All right. Look at verse number four. Look at, okay, we see the proposition of Ahab, but I want you to see what happens to Ahab when Naboth tells him no. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth, uh, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid, he laid him down upon his bed and turned his face away and would not eat bread. Do you know what he just did? He threw a big fat fit. He acted like a big baby. He ain't going to give me that land. I'm going to go home and put my head... I'm not even going to eat. And the immaturity of the king. I mean, come on, you're a grown man. And because he won't give you that land, I'm going to go cry. Look, he's going to go get in his bed. The immaturity of King Ahab. It's stupid. Okay, well, he won't sell you the land. Just get over it, bud. Just go on to that. I mean, come on. That's immature. But I've seen adults act that same way. They don't get their way. They stomp off and slam the door. Look, I did that when I was a kid. They got a whooping for us, you know? I mean, that's something you shouldn't do as an adult. Don't get in my way. You throw yourself out on the floor, you know? Look. That's not what you're supposed to do. The immaturity of, of King Ahab. That's ridiculous that he would act that way. Ridiculous. Woe is me. Woe is me. <laughs> I'm not even going to eat. What? Guess he won't tell you the land? Well, look what Jezebel does for him. Wicked. Wicked. <coughs> Let's continue to read. Verse number five. And this is, this is an enabler, okay? She enables his whining and his crying and his all of that's going on. She enables that. In verse number 6, or verse 5, But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, 
Why is thy spirit so sad thou eatest, that thou eatest no bread? Why are you upset? Why are you crying? And he said unto her, Because I spake to Naboth, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, and I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. Why is he crying? Why is he sad? Why is he no bread? Naboth won't give me the land. Watch what, watch what takes place. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise, and eat your bread. Eat bread, and let thy heart be merry, and I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the, the Jezreelite. His, his boss came in and told him what to do. That's what took place. The plot of Jezebel began to, began to churn. She said, I'm going to get you that land because you're crying and upset and I want, to, I want to help you. The wickedness of King Jezebel, or, or Queen Jezebel, sorry. Look what she does, verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with a seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling in Naboth with Naboth. And she wrote in those letters, she wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness to him, saying, What? Watch what she's saying, what? Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. So this little plot she had cooked up was a crafty little plot. Because what she had done is she appeared to honor God. What she wanted to do was make it look like Naboth had blasphemed God. But if you look back in verse number 3, Naboth did not blaspheme God. Naboth had some integrity and some principles in his life that kept him from just rolling over for the king. But she <coughs> wrote letters to people in Naboth's community turning them against Naboth that he was blaspheming God and the king. Jezebel didn't care about God. She hated God. She hated the principles of God. She hated the prophets of God. She hated the preaching of God. And she could not stand that anybody would come against her with God on their side. And so she said, I've had enough. Let's kill Naboth. So do you know what she did? She went back to the law. You say she used the law. That's exactly what she did. I, I, you don't have to turn there. You can mark it or something if you want. But Leviticus chapter number 4 and verse 13. The Bible says, And the whole congregation of Israel sinned through ignorance 
and the thing be hid from the eyes of the assembly, they have done somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning these things which uh, should not be done and are guilty. So the, she is using the law against Naboth in which she slandered him and, and said things evil against him in which he did not do. Deuteronomy 19 verse 15, the Bible says, One witness shall not rise against a man for an iniquity or for any sin in any sin that sinneth, that he sinneth at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. She knew that she couldn't have one person stand up and give an account that Naboth had blasphemed God. She knew that she had to have multiple people stand up and say that Naboth had blasphemed God. And so what did she do? She got people on her side to, to go against Naboth. <coughs> That's wicked. That's wicked. And the plot of Jezebel. Get rid of Naboth. Because she knew with Naboth out of the way, guess what would happen? Who would get the land? The king would. Wickedness. Let's keep reading. Let's read a couple more verses. And the men of his city. Let's stop there for just a second. Whose city was that? Whose city was that? Naboth's city. His city. The city he grew up in. The city he had established his vineyard in. The city that he had worked so hard in preparing his name to the community. And she turned the men of the city against Naboth. Verse number 11. Let's, uh, verse number uh, 11. We'll continue to read. Even the elders and the nobles which were in the inhabitants of in his city did as Jezebel had sent unto them. And as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. What did they do? They did exactly what Jezebel told them to do. <clears throat> Wicked. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And there, look, verse 13. This is making sure that making sure that the uh, it lines up with the law. <coughs> and there came in two men, children of Belial, and set before him, and the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did both both did uh, blaspheme God and the king, and they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones, and he died. What just took place? She murdered Naboth. Evil, wicked queen. Why would she do this? Why would she do this? Why? please her husband to get rid of a righteous man 
To get rid of someone who was so principled in the matter he wasn't going to bend against what God wanted? Think about that for just a moment. Why would she do this? Second Kings tells us in chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, that he, it says, Surely I've seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons. So not only did, did, did Jezebel kill Naboth, she killed his sons. And do you know what that meant? That meant that the inheritance, that, that she erased anybody that could have rights to that land. So that she could give it to her stinking husband. The wicked, queenly Jezebel. Why would she do that? Now, I ask you this question. Because maybe it was energy of mine, but why would God allow a righteous man to be done that way? Think about it. In the middle of all of this, God honored Elijah for being righteous, right? God protected him. God put him in the right place at the right time to get away from Jezebel. But here was another righteous man who stood up for righteousness, who stood up for God. And God allowed him to get killed. Why would God allow that to happen? When bad things happen to good people, did you know that? Yeah, that's true. It's bad. It's terrible. Think about being Naboth's wife. Can you imagine the devastation? There she is. One day everything's great. And the next day men are in the city and got your husband in front of all of them and here comes two men she's never even seen. Two men that she's never even met. Two men that never came to their house and never came over and never got any of the, the, the juice that, that he had produced from the vineyard. Never met him! And there they stand saying, yep, Naboth was the one who blasphemed God and the king. He did it. I've I seen him. I've seen it with my own eyes. I heard it with my ears. He did it. She wants all of that take place. And she wants him to take her sons. She wants him to take her husband and kill him. Why, God? Why? Why do you think God would allow it to happen? Why do you think God would allow it to happen? Well, I read ahead of you. So. <laughs> You're not supposed to get there now. But you know, up, up to this point right here, uh, preacher, you know, you see here how people can be changed. You know, because they he, she she wrote a letter to his people. Yeah. And. They turned against him. That's right. You know, they right. they listened to the wrong people and followed the, the orders of the wrong people. That's right. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people today. They listen and they they believe what somebody else is saying and they get in a heap of trouble, especially our younger generation. Oh, yeah. And because they think that's right and it's wrong. It was wrong what she did, and 
That's right. People thought they were doing right. But it was wrong. That's right. Because they were just doing what Je- what Jezebel asked them to do. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh... why, do, why do you think God would allow that to happen to them? Well, I'm not going to say anything. Right? <laughs> Anybody? I mean, just, just a simple thought. Why would God allow that, that wickedness to take place? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't read it yet, so. Well, you know, I don't know that there's a there's not a wrong answer here. But but if you take this right here and apply it to today, do you not see good people go through bad things? Yes. I mean, I've seen I've seen righteous people, I've seen good people, uh, people that follow God their whole life and they go through all kinds of mess. And you stand back, well, why would God allow this to take place? And you look at Naboth, he was, I mean, would it have not just been easier to say, hey, take the land, go ahead. I mean, I'll sell it to you. But no, he wanted to honor God and he was principled in the matter. He said, I'm not doing it. I'm not selling you the land because God forbids it. And because of him making a stand like that, God allowed him to die? The Bible says, for the righteous, I, I know I'm misquoting it, but the Bible says, they that live righteous shall suffer persecution. You live righteous long enough, you will suffer persecution. And it's not because they hate you, but it's because they hate God. But in his case, I mean, we look at death as something bad. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Which is true. Which is true. I mean, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Be with Jesus, that's right. That's right. You know. But people look at look at that as yeah. bad. Yeah. But you know God always shows his power. That's right. That's right. God comes through. God uses his people to accomplish what he wants. That's right. And I believe he used, he let the uh, neighbor be killed to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that was his man. Oh, yeah, it was. That was his man. I, I'll get, go ahead. But God shows his power in the end. Oh, he does. He does. Well, he that's does. the beginning of the end of Jezebel, too. Right. Right. And I'm not going to get to it tonight because it's after 8 o'clock. But if you look at at uh, <clears throat> this, I'll give you three simple thoughts. I, why, why God allowed this to happen. Three thoughts, okay? I believe three, three reasons. Number one is because of the sovereignty of God. You say, what do you mean by that? No Naboth dies without God permitting it to happen. Nothing happens without God allowing it to take place. For whatever reason, the bad thing took place in Naboth's life. 
And, you know, for his wife, I look at it for, from his wife's perspective or his daughter's perspective and all of those things. I mean, I'm not, I don't know that he had daughters, but, but more than likely he had more than just one or two sons uh, and, and children and daughters and, and uh, aunts and uncles and, and nieces and nephews and people that were related to him and they watched the righteous die, but it was for the sovereignty of God. God never allows anything to happen that he doesn't permit to happen. And then number two is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is way farther than we could ever even begin to imagine. You know, sometimes, yet we talked about that verse just a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning, but Romans 8, 28, we know all things work together for good. You know, that verse, but sometimes that verse doesn't come to pass until we are in heaven. You know, we'll go through trials and tribulations and difficult times in our life, and we think that it will work out right now or in this lifetime. But ultimately, there are times where it doesn't work out in this lifetime. It's the next life that takes place. And that's the wisdom of God. God knew what He was doing. God knew what was taking place. And God's wisdom is way more than we could ever even begin to imagine. And then number three, the compensation of God. What do you mean? What did Naboth get? His reward was way more than what took place. Because the suffering and the difficult times that you may experience in life, if you will hang on and do right and be right, the reward of doing right and being right and staying right outweighs the wrong doom that you could ever imagine. It pays to serve God. Yeah, It does. I don't regret, look, <clears throat> since the age of 16, 14 years old, I have been preaching. And at the age of 16, 17, I started, I started preaching to the teenagers. I was in charge of the teen department. We, I preached every Sunday in the teen department. But do you know that there's not one day in, those, in that time period from then until now that I look back and I regret, I regret ever serving God for that. But there are days in my life that I regret because I didn't give it to them. There is no regret when it comes to serving God. I wouldn't change it for nothing. So would you, would you, if I had, if I had a million lives to live, I'd live every one of them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there is no regret for God. No regret. Don't live with, don't live with regret. Man, I wish I would have, or I wish I could have. Choose to say, no, I'm serving God. No Regret. No regret. All right. Well, you got some overtime tonight. Anybody have any questions or thoughts before we close? Because you'll get better. Oh, you read the rest of the story. Well, don't get too far ahead of me. But you read the rest of the story, and you will see that God wins. And uh, here comes Elijah. I mean, he's coming over that hill. I mean, he's already talking that hill. When that stone is taking place, he's already on his way. 
and God sent him to talk to talk to King Ahab. But Christian, it pays to serve God. It pays to serve God. Anybody have any questions? Thoughts, comments? It's good. Done? Let's end with a word of prayer. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for